This is CNN Breaking News. I'm Julia Chatterley. You're watching CNN's special coverage following the sad news of the death of Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. In a statement, Buckingham Palace said the Queen's husband passed away peacefully at Windsor Castle. He was 99 years old. Up above the palace, the Union flag is now flying at half-mast. Married to Queen Elizabeth for 73 years, the Duke was the longest-serving consort of a reigning British monarch. The Prince, as you well know, suffered health problems recently. Earlier this year, he spent several weeks in hospital and was discharged only last month. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson paid tribute to the Duke, saying he earned the affection of generations in the UK, across the Commonwealth and around the world. Like the expert carriage driver that he was, he helped to steer the royal family and the monarchy so that it remains an institution indisputably vital to the balance and happiness of our national life. Kate Williams is CNN Royal Historian and Lecturer at the University of London. Kate, great to have you with us. Just help our viewers understand what a pivotal role Prince Philip played, not only in terms of the monarchy, support of the Queen, but also as the patriarch, I think, of the royal family. Prince Philip was the patriarch, he was the stay, and it's very hard, I think, for us to imagine the royal family without him. He has been simply there all the time. He's always been there supporting the Queen. She said that he's not a man for compliments, but he's always been her strength and her stay. Uh, she's been in love with it. She fell in love with him when she was 13, when he was a top ranking naval cadet at the Dartmouth Naval College on the south coast of, of, of England. And he served so bravely in the war, came back from the war and they married in 1947, a wartime wedding, which was a huge moment for the country. And then, of course, they expected to have many years together as a young couple. But her father died five years later in 1952, very young, unexpected and she became queen and he became the consort. He's the longest serving consort in British history. She's the longest reigning monarch, of course, in British history. And he was always there supporting her, supporting the family. And it's incredible really to think that he only retired in 2017, just a, a few years ago. And up until then, he was supporting all of his charities over nearly 800 charities. He did 22,000 engagements, 5,000 speeches. He was a man of great energy. He was fascinated by science. He was fascinated by innovation and really did a lot for British science in the post-war world when it was just really strengthening in a commercial activity, but also I think gave so much to the royal family. He he came from a, a world, his life was very insecure before he married the Queen. His family had had to flee Greece where they were part of the Greek royal family because they were deposed. And he always, I think, saw that and said that, that the royal family was there at the goodwill of the people. And it was something that had to be thought about and you could not take it for granted. So he was very devoted to both the monarchy and to the Queen. And it is a great loss to the royal family that he is no longer with us. We'll talk more in the show about the, the royal love story, because I think this is one of the overriding themes that we think about when we think about Queen Elizabeth and, and Prince Philip as well. But to your point as well, the, the duty, the 65 years of service. He once referred to himself as the world's greatest plaque unveiler. And I think what we can't ignore here, too, is the sense of humour that he brought to the royal family at incredibly difficult moments, too. And that also a piece of the strength, I think, that he provided to the Queen. 
Well, there was a lot of strength, and we he was the one who broke it to the Queen. They were, in 1952, uh, on a royal tour in Kenya, they were actually on an over-watering hole, a little sort of, sort of treehouse over a watering hole, and he was the one who had to break it to her. The rest of the world already knew, but she did not, because the Buckingham Palace thought she'd been given the, the notice she hadn't. He had to break it to her that everything was going to change, and she was now going to be Queen, and he always has been there for her. And it wasn't easy, I think, both for a man of his determination, Alpha Merle, as you might say, a man who'd had this glittering naval career. He was one of the first ever first lieutenants at the age of 21. He was a top naval cadet. And when you hear about people who fought with him during World War II and the invention, the way he saved so many lives, it's very striking to hear about how much he was respected and how, as one man who served under him said, he always came up with something. He always had an answer to save us. And then, of course, in 1952, when the Queen becomes Queen, he has to step back and has to become a consort and has to always support her. And he did this with great effort. And he has this great sense of humour. And sometimes, you know, it's unavoidable to say it went, he, he, was, he went into gaffes and he made comments that could not be seen as offensive, not offensive, uh, talking to people, Aboriginal people. He said, do not throw spears anymore. And, the, uh, you know, some offensive comments in the past. But Prince Philip is someone who touched so many lives, 22,000 engagements, so many people met him, so many people, uh, you know, he, he talked to so many people and so many people I've met who talked to him, some of the genuine interest he took in their lives and asked some really interesting questions. And he's someone who, having given up his charities, having, in, in 2017, having stepped back, having given up his military engagements, he's someone who leaves a, a great hole in the, in the royal family and in British life. And I think it will be hard for us to see the Queen on her own. We got used to it since his retirement, but it will be hard for us seeing the Queen unaccompanied, her, uh, the, the Prince Philip not being there with him because she's been you know, in love with him since she was 13. There's been a long life and now she is a Queen on her own. How does she handle this, Kate? Because it's the thing that I think we've all not wanted to consider over the past few weeks when we knew he was unwell. He as she said and has said at, said at their 50th wedding anniversary celebrations, my strength and my stay. But obviously duty has always come first and you get the sense that she above all knows that in the handling of some of the most difficult periods throughout their history. What now for the Queen? It's very hard for her and it will be very hard for her. They have been a devoted couple and they've been particularly close actually during the COVID period because they were bubbled together. They had their individual bubble, spent Christmas together. The Queen always has a big Christmas normally, but this wasn't, couldn't be the case anymore because the, in Britain our, our restrictions were very, were, were, were very restricted before Christmas. It was only family, only the people you lived with. So the Queen and Prince Philip have grown incredibly even closer over mm. the past year and the suffering of COVID has brought them together. And it is going to be very hard for her. And it's you know, many people all over the world have lost people, thousands of people in the US and the UK. And I think one of the hardest things that people have found, which will be the same for the Queen, is that you can't call on your relatives for support because there are these restrictions. You can't see as many people as you might want. It's very difficult to mix inside. So the Queen will be relying on Charles, on Camilla, on William, on Kate, on her children, on Andrew and Sophie Wessex in particular. She is at Windsor Castle. She is mourning privately. And it really is so hard for her because she is she can't show grief 
um, we'll, we'll pull it because you know when her father died, she had to get on with the, the job of queen straight away. Uh, you know, and we will expect to have a although it won't be a big funeral, we'll expect to see a, a small funeral at some point, and the queen will be there. And for her to lose the husband that she's had with her for so long, and I think all of us thought that the duke, even though he was very old, he was so fit and healthy that he would really go on for such you know go on forever and. It is obviously a great shock to her and she won't do any engagements for the next few days, but eventually she will have to get back into doing engagements and it'll be really very hard for her. You know, the Duke, it's, he has gone. I think for um, any British citizen, but for the Commonwealth and those around the world watching this, clearly if you're uh, younger than 75 or your late 70s, you, you don't know what the royal family looks like without Prince Philip and without his presence, as you, you mentioned earlier. What about for the nation at this moment? It has been and will continue to be, I think, a, a relatively challenging time for, for the monarchy too. What about the perception, particularly in light, I think, of um, what we've seen with the Sussexes as well? How do you think the loss of Prince Philip will alter that relationship and the relationships around the Queen, which are clearly so pivotal at this moment now as she mourns? They are very pivotal. And yes, you know, we're very sad that the Duke has died just a few months short of his 100th birthday. There were celebrations planned, muted because of COVID, but celebrations were planned. And also, of course, talking of Harry and Meghan, uh, his 11th great-grandchild was due to be born. Harry and Meghan's little girl, we believe, due in July. And uh, Prince Philip will, will die, went, went before, died before he could meet that 11th great-grandchild. And the, the royal family, I think, are really going to circle around the Queen now. It is about Charles, it is about the Duchess of Cornwall, about Camilla, it is about William and Kate, and it is really about focusing on the Queen now, because it, it, you know she is, she is so strong, she is a woman of incredible strength, has been through so much, but, it is, but, it, but losing her husband, I think, was so hard for her. In 2012, when the Duke had a um, an infection. There was a during the 2012 Diamond Jubilee. It was rather rainy, if we all remember, on the on the Jubilee pageant down the Thames, and the Duke caught an infection, had to go into hospital. Mm -hmm. So the Queen had to do some engagements without him, and Prince Charles escorted her. And I think it was quite hard for the nation to see the Queen escorted not by her husband. And that will be the future. We will expect to see the Queen escorted by Prince Charles and by Prince William, and they will be supporting her. And I think what we'll also see is a moving of a, a moving really a, a talking about the future a talking about the future of charles as a monarch as william as a monarch the queen will never abdicate she's made that very clear she will never abdicate but she will i think give more and more engagements over to charles over to william and it is a moment i think of great reckoning of, most of all i think that the duke is one of the last people in this country who remembers and who served in world war ii and the Queen also served in World War II. And we lose, we lost so many veterans. Yeah. And that the Duke is one of the last people who truly served and gave so much and sacrificed for people's freedom. And that generation, I think, are now truly gone. Mm. We'll talk more about his legacy and, and reinforcing the strength, I think, and the changes that he brought for the good. Kate, great to talk to you. Thank you for that. Kate Williams, CNN Royal Historian there. Now, as we mentioned earlier, Queen Elizabeth once called Prince Philip her strength and stay. The Duke of Edinburgh offering his steadfast support and unwavering love to the Queen through seven decades of joy and of heartbreak. Max Foster takes a look back at the life of Prince Philip. They were married for more than seven decades, but had been destined for each other since childhood. 
according to one of Queen Elizabeth's bridesmaids. I think she fell in love when she was 13. I mean, God, he was good looking. You know, he was a, he was a sort of Viking god. <laughs> He'd never looked at anybody else, ever. And I think he really, truly has been um, a, a rock. The couple married in Westminster Abbey on November the 20th, 1947. For the rest of his life, Prince Philip was a near constant presence at the Queen's side. He gave a rare insight into life behind palace walls when celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. I think that the main lesson that we've learned is that tolerance is the one essential ingredient of any happy marriage. It may not be quite so important when things are going well, but it is absolutely vital when things get difficult. And uh, you can take it from me that the Queen has the quality of tolerance and abundance. <laughs> if this companionship came at a professional cost, it was one Prince Philip was prepared to pay. Just to have been there all the time behind her and ready to have sacrificed his life. He did it too, sacrificed his life, because I think he would have loved to have gone on in the Navy and really made a career out of that. Um, so he... he he sacrificed too, and so um, I think it's made for a wonderfully solid marriage. The Queen and Lieutenant Mountbatten met before the Second World War when he was a young naval cadet. His number one job from the word go has been to, quote, support the Queen. Everything he does is in support of the Queen. Uh, it's just been one of the, the great royal romances, I think, of history. Uh, people talk about Victoria and Albert as a phrase, it just trips off the tongue, and I have no doubt that in years to come people will talk about Elizabeth and Philip in exactly the same way. Famous for his energy, the Duke's health inevitably deteriorated as he headed into old age. The royal family Christmas was disrupted in 2011 when Philip had to be taken to hospital for minor heart surgery. Five months later, during the Queen's Diamond Jubilee celebrations, Philip had to go to hospital again, this time with a bladder infection. Family came and went, and within days, Philip was well enough to return home, but not to return immediately to his public duties. In the spring of 2017, Prince Philip effectively announced his retirement, saying he would give up official royal duties. A year and a half later, he was involved in a car crash, raising questions about whether he should be driving at the age of 97. Then, public appearances were reserved for special occasions, such as Lady Gabriella Windsor's wedding in May 2019. Prince Philip had been patron or president of some 800 charities, including the WWF. He was a renowned environmental campaigner, he also had his own royal heritage, being born into the Greek and Danish royal families, but he renounced those titles when he took British citizenship in 1947. So what of his role in the British monarchy? I think a pivotal, pivotal point, of the, because he was the head of the, of the, uh, the family, he was in, it's his responsibility as a father to be that, and he does that extremely well. Would it have been difficult for him always in public to be taking a back seat to his wife? I would have thought that anybody who has that uh, responsibility will find it, uh, uh, I would say, taxing. But you, when you have uh, this whole concept in your blood, 
and you keep your sense of humor and your sense of dignity, then you carry it out beautifully. And one thing Prince Philip certainly had was a sense of humor and a tendency to make gaffes. On a trip to Australia in 2002, he asked an Aboriginal leader, do you still throw spears at each other? And when meeting the Obamas in 2009, a reference to world leaders. <laughs> Prince Philip, serviceman, campaigner, great-grandfather and a beloved husband. Anna Stewart joins us now live from Buckingham Palace. And Anna, a nation in mourning today. Absolutely, Julia. It's been a little over two hours, but as you can see, you're already starting to get a few people gathering outside the gates of Buckingham Palace to pay their respects. You can see the flag is now at half-mast, and the conversation is the legacy of Prince Philip, and what an extraordinary legacy it is. Of course, he's going to be best remembered for being married to the Queen for 73 years. And few can forget when she said on the golden wedding anniversary in 1997, he has quite simply been my strength and stay all these years, performing tens of thousands of engagements with her, always two steps behind and also by himself on solo engagements, over 22,000 solo engagements, Julia, over 65 years worth of uh, public duty. He was the patron of over 600 charitable organisations. You can just think of all the people around the UK and the Commonwealth who have met him. Uh, who've spoken to him are probably going through their attics right now trying to find a photo of that moment. This is a man much loved uh, by the nation and he once described himself as uh, the world's greatest plaque unveiler. This is a man who had a great passion for life and sense of humour and he's going to be sorely missed. And I think we were just showing pictures there of people already laying flowers and a Union Jack flag there as well. Sorely missed is right. Anna, what can we expect as you are waiting outside Buckingham Palace there in the coming hours? Well, of course, I think in the coming hours, we're going to get uh, more expressions of condolences right around the world. People wanting uh, to tell us what they felt about Prince Philip, what they remember of his legacy. And then, of course, in the coming days, what happens next? When will we have the funeral? It's expected to be in Windsor, but all those plans, of course, are up in the air. And given uh, we're in a pandemic, all the plans have had to change significantly over the last year. Final sign-off, of course, on any sort of plan will be by Her Majesty the Queen, who is, of course, in mourning. Um, so we'll wait for news on that. I think what we'll see, though, is a, is a funeral with much love and celebration for a man with a fantastic military career, public service as a, the longest-serving consort in British history, a man who loved polo, carriage driving, a man who was uh, well-known right around the Commonwealth. Um, but in the coming days, we should have more, a better idea of those plans. I wouldn't expect to see, uh, you know, a carriage procession or anything that will draw too many crowds, though, of course, uh, given the pandemic rages on. Julia? Yeah, complications, of course, due to the pandemic. You were mentioning some of his attributes there, Anna, as well. I, I believe he was the first member of the Foral family ever to fly out of Buckingham Palace. Uh, the garden in a helicopter. It gives you a sense of, of who this man was. It really does. And he has had the most extraordinary life, Julian. It's something that we will have to celebrate um, over the coming days. Born Prince Philip of Greece and Denmark, exiled to Paris, educated here in the UK. He joined the Navy just before World War II broke out. He saw active service during World War II. And the incredible love story of how he met the Queen and the romance that blossomed there. 
Uh, and his great sense of humour, I think, is something that we will all remember. Fantastic comments made. And as you said, a real passion for polo, carriage driving, flying. He earned his RAF, RAF wings shortly after his military service. An extraordinary character to remember. Yes, a day of great mourning for a huge loss, but also, as you said, celebration for a life well lived. Anna Stewart, thank you for that. Stay with us, please, for more on our special coverage in tribute to Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. People around the world mourning the loss of Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. The husband of Queen Elizabeth has died at the age of 99. He spent a month in hospital earlier this year before being released last month to return to Windsor Castle. The international community paying tribute to Prince Philip in the wake of his death. The Australian Prime Minister said the Duke, quote, embodied a generation that we will never see again and praised his service to the Commonwealth. The Irish Prime Minister said he was, quote, saddened to hear of the Duke's death, adding our thoughts and prayers are with Queen Elizabeth and the people of the United Kingdom at this time. Former U.S. President George W. Bush hailed Prince Philip for representing Britain with dignity. The European Commission, France, India and Germany have all conveyed sympathies to the Queen and to the British people. Richard Quest joins us now. Richard, more than seven decades married to the Queen as consort, more than six decades of service. There's not one nation perhaps in the world that he hasn't touched, visited or talked to at some point. And it's one heck of a legacy he leaves behind. Yes, and, and let's remember that for many of those countries, the Queen remains head of state or head of Commonwealth. So if you take Australia, for example, where the Republican movement has made ground over recent years, but at the last referendum, the decision was taken to stay as a monarchy for the time being. And the general feeling has been in places like Australia, possibly New Zealand, that certainly as long as the Queen and Prince Philip were around, that they would remain, um, they would remain as head of state. The Duke of Edinburgh famously made many gaffes on, on, on his trips to some of the Caribbean islands, to the Far East, uh, and the, to India and the like. But he was always exceptionally well welcomed when he went there. He was, in a sense, the colourful part um, of, this, uh, of this duo. The Queen would come with all the, the, the pomp and ceremony, but it was the Duke that would come and blow the air out of the balloon. And he was the <laughs> one who would be uh, the, the, the normal one, if you like. And Which is interesting because he was very royal, uh, as you've been discussing with Max and others. He was born to royalty or be somewhat in distressed circumstances. He was royal by birth and he had been around royalty all his life. But he was the one famously, Julia, uh, during the 1980s said in Britain to the uh, to those who were unemployed in the northeast, he said, get on your bike. Uh, to go and find a job. Now, that did not go down extremely well. But the Duke of Edinburgh was very much one of those people who, along with Norman Tebbit at the time, who, uh, who was then the industry secretary, they were all part of this, this down-to-earthness that people rallied to because they felt they could identify with. And it was his support of the Queen throughout, I think, that, uh, that, that shone. 
Royal but real, I think, yes. Richard. And yes, I think that's beautifully put. Beautifully put. Royal but real. And people were just waiting. People were waiting for that brusqueness. He didn't like pomp and ceremony. He didn't like all that went with it. He was a man who just wanted to get on because as a naval officer, a very successful naval officer, he believed in the importance of the, uh, of, of the, the duty and the operation. So when he was sent off to do something, he went to do it, such as... Julia, uh, modernising Buckingham Palace. I was going to mention that too. The Countess of Burma, Philip's cousin, said at the beginning of the relationship that he was not someone that was going to toe the line, that there was suspicion because he had very progressive views. The quote was, I think they were rather worried that too much fresh air was going to be let in. And I think it's that fresh air that was such a pivotal part of reshaping the modern monarchy for an incredibly young queen. And that legacy and that approach, I think, to what being a royal is, has been pivotal over the last seven decades. Anyone who's seen The, uh, the Crown, right. there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of truth in that tension and the relationship that existed between Philip, uh, the Queen, and the establishment once he came on board. You see, here you have the contradiction in terms that we're talking about. He is absolutely royal to the core, so he knows his role. There is no question with Philip that he knows he's four paces, five paces behind the Queen. But she has already given some precedents and she has already made various letters patent that establish his authority and his position in regard to the royal household. And now he wants to play that role. And so you do get Prince Philip being first when it comes to the family. If you look at the schools that the, the children went to, if you look at their upbringing, it it was Philip who set the tone and set the direction. And yet at the same time, this call to modernize the monarchy, much of the monarchy, Julia, that you and I grew up with uh, came about because of the changes that Prince Philip made. Her strength and stay. We know that he's been ill for yes. a, a relatively long period of months, Richard. How pivotal do you think he was still to the decisions as the patriarch of the family, given recent events? And what do you think happens now as the Queen embarks on the future without him? I think the last part is, is probably the most crucial of that, Julia. Mm. We don't know. I mean, the Queen has enormous strengths. But I remember watching the Queen. Uh, I was covering both the funeral of her sister, uh, Princess Margaret, and then just a few weeks later, that of her mother, the Queen Mother. Uh, on both occasions, it was the presence of Philip that gave her the strength to carry on. Now that, that stay, that strength, that rock, if you like, has gone. Um, and I think we're going to see a very different monarch. I think we, could, we, we, we will see a monarch in grief. We, we may not see that much of her, to be frank, because um, when we saw her at her mother's funeral, there were moments of great distress and grief that we saw during that. But this will be on a different league. This will be for Her Majesty. And how they now transition 
more responsibility to Prince Charles, the Prince of Wales and the Duke and Duchess of Cornwall and thereby to the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, Prince William. That is going to be very telling and very significant. I'm not for a second saying that the reign of Elizabeth II is over, but I'm saying it does transition into a new and as yet unknown form now that there is the loss of uh, Philip, Duke of Edinburgh. A new era. Richard Quest, thank you so much for that. We're going to take a short break here, but stay with CNN. More tributes and recollections of the life of Prince Philip. Welcome back to CNN and reminding you of today's sad news from London. Prince Philip has died just two months short of his 100th birthday. In a statement, Buckingham Palace said the Queen's beloved husband passed away this morning at Windsor Castle. The Duke of Edinburgh suffered health problems earlier this year and spent several weeks in hospital. He also underwent heart surgery in February. Over the last seven decades, the Prince had been a constant companion to Queen Elizabeth, but stepped back from public royal duties in 2017. With 73 years of marriage, he's the longest serving consort to a British monarch. Issa Suarez joins us now from Windsor. Issa, and of course, up until this morning, the Queen, Prince Philip, were there in quarantine. And now, of course, the Queen alone. The Queen uh, alone behind uh, in those walls with missing, no doubt, and mourning the man who has been by her side for 73 years, Julia, a man who was her advisor, who outside the the palace walls, he was always a couple of feet behind her, playing almost second fiddle. But once they were inside those walls, he was her husband and he was the the wings beneath her wings. You know, it was, I no doubt that the Queen is mourning today. I came from outside Windsor Palace. I managed to speak to several people to get a real sense of the mood. And it's a, there's a somber silence outside Windsor Palace. It's understandable. So many people I spoke to, different generations, may I add, as well, you know, they said that uh, they were surprised, shocked to hear of his passing, but not surprised. Because if you remember three weeks ago, we saw those frail images of the Duke of Edinburgh leaving the hospital where he'd been for several weeks uh, looking so frail. And I remember Julia speaking to my husband and saying to my husband, this may be the last time we see the Duke of Edinburgh. Uh, But many people who spoke to me today said he was uh, more than anything uh, the the man besides the Queen. He was her closest advisor. And I think that's what so many people admired about him. The other thing, and you would know this, is the fact uh, that he had a very wicked sense of humour. He was incredibly colourful. One lady said to me, to me, I'll always remember how much he just spoke his mind. And I think uh, us as the press, perhaps, you always gave us the time, of course. Uh, you may not have liked us all the time, but it's clear that he was a colourful figure. But let's not forget, he was, he led an extraordinary rich life, Julia, and he 
he was a naval officer. I think you've probably heard so much already about uh, his legacy uh, and the man he was. He was born in a dining room table in the island of Corfu in 1921. 18 months after being born, he was in exile in England, in Scotland, in France. A very troubled uh, childhood. His father was not really present in his life. Um, and, and so here we have a man who, coming from royalty, gave all that up, took a step back, and still carried out his royal duties. And the, and the Queen, speaking at the 50th wedding anniversary, said, he's been my strength and my stay. And I think that says so much uh, about the Duke of Edinburgh. And I think today and in the weeks ahead, we'll be talking about the man and his legacy and how dutiful his services has been uh, to the country, Julia. I think part of that duty and that service and the legacy and the support that he gave to the Queen is why, no matter what he said, even if it were inappropriate and perhaps wouldn't be, unex wouldn't yeah. be acceptable in younger members of the royal family, <laughs> he was sort of loved for it. And Issa, your point about speaking to yeah. even young people there, this is a generation of the royal family that whatever you think of the younger generations, the Queen is beloved, Prince Philip is beloved. Very much so. Uh, I don't know how much of that has come from watching The Crown. I know you and Richard were having this conversation, how much they were informed by that. Uh, the young people I spoke to said that, you know, he was clearly loved the Queen dearly. That was very obvious. Uh, some of them said uh, they uh, didn't like him as much because uh, of what happened to Diana and that still that's still playing a lot in their minds. I think that's a lot as well of what we saw in, uh, in, in The Crown. But on the whole, I think uh, everyone has said it's his service, his duty and his position and his love for the Queen, always being behind her, two steps, three steps behind her, and doing so uh, with a smile on his face. And just worth remembering, he was very witty, very bright young man. He was a prolific writer, for those people who might not know. He wrote something like 14 books, Julia. He gave more than 5,200 speeches. He gave his life to this country. He gave up his Greek, uh, his Greek royal title to really step in to, the, to, 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 this royal, uh, to this royal country here and give it all up. Uh, for Queen, for the woman he loved, but he also critically modernised the royal family. He was the first royal to give a TV interview. He was the one that said mm. to the Queen that her coronation should be televised. He understood the importance of modernising the monarchy, of gritting the monarchy uh, on par to, uh, to its royal people. So it's really important that we see him in, in its entire light. And and his background and the fact that he was royal, but also his, he was a naval officer. He was decorated. I, I can tell you here because he was decorated for heroism in the Second World War. He received the Greek uh, war cross of valor. He gave that all up for love. And I think this is something I've heard repeatedly today. And that is the memory that many people will take away today, Julia. Royal, but real, dutiful and a husband yeah. that was loved. Isa, thank you. Isa Suarez there.
Stay with us for our special coverage in tribute to Prince Philip. We'll speak to the former press secretary about the Duke's role in Queen Elizabeth's reign. We turn now to the breaking news this morning. Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, the longtime consort and husband to Queen Elizabeth, has died. He was 99. The plans for any tributes and events to mark his passing have not yet been publicly announced. The UK is currently under coronavirus restrictions, of course. In his seven decades of service, the prince often accompanied the Queen on royal engagements and conducted thousands in his own right. He once referred to himself, as we discussed earlier on the show, as the world's most experienced plark unveiler, while the Queen praised him as her constant strength and guide. Joining us now is Charles Anson, former press secretary to Queen Elizabeth. Charles, fantastic to have you with us. I want to talk to you about what happens next, but first I'd love to get your observations of the Duke of Edinburgh as someone who spent a great deal of time with the family. Well, I spent a lot of time in the 1990s uh, working for the Queen and Prince Philip at a very difficult uh, decade in uh, the Queen's reign. And I was always struck by how much he was committed to supporting the Queen on every occasion, whether it was a happy one or a more difficult uh, task with members of the family or sad occasion. But he was always there. But he also found time to pursue his own professional life in support of the monarchy with very wide-ranging public duties and contributions with young people, with the uh, Duke of Edinburgh's award, with the environment, with World Wildlife uh, Fund, in the areas of science and technology, uh, and also a great man of ideas. So he was a man of action, but he also was a man of ideas. Uh, and uh, he liked to see those ideas translated into action to make a better society. His whole outlook was to look at an area and see, look, how do we make this better together? But it was never about him. He was a great leader. Uh, and like to lead ideas and to open discussion. But his goal always was to make a, a, a better world. And in terms of uh, the monarchy and the royal family, he was an enormous support for the Queen to bring the monarchy into the second half of the 20th century and into the 21st century as well constantly a man of uh, open to new ideas and new themes and that's a remarkable thing for someone of his age to have continued in public duty to the age of 96 contributing ideas and encouraging and helping people in all sorts of fields as you mentioned as well you were there during an incredibly difficult period for the royal family they've had recent challenges too to, to what extent was he guiding the Queen in terms of decisions of perhaps taking a step back and seeing different views and different perspectives and in your experience of the Queen how does she handle her reign now without him? Well I think the, the Queen and Prince Philip very much shared the uh, parental duties of upbringing and uh, in surprisingly Prince Philip had strong ideas about education and initiative and sport and uh, achievement and I think you know from the Queen's point of view she was bearing a heavy burden of the crown of being head of the Commonwealth and uh, head of state in 15 other countries so it was very important that um, her husband Prince Philip should be active uh, 
not only on the public stage in doing so much, but also in the family arrangements. And he took very much the lead on schooling and encouraging his children to stretch their arms and, and reach out uh, across different ideas and uh, different areas of activity where they could take an interest and encourage other people. So I think his whole his whole life, really, his philosophy was to to improve and to widen and to expand and stimulate people. And I think you know he was a very he was a, he was a considerable polymath. And I think uh, I think of him in the same terms of Prince Albert, Queen Victoria's husband, who also was so energetic in so many different fields. And I think uh, the Queen very lucky to have such a wonderful um, consort in Prince Philip and someone who is also able to uh, steer his own course in public life to make uh, his own contribution, but one which complemented uh, the Queen's at the same time. And that's a great, um, that is a great skill to be able to do that because obviously he's always in second position. But in fact, he contributed so much that I think most people, most of us, think of Prince Philip as making a very, very considerable contribution of his own to a better society. And a good team. Charles, we'll let you go there. Charles Anson, former press secretary to Queen Elizabeth. Thank you for joining us. Okay, when we come back, a devoted husband, a loving father, and a loving grandfather, and a patriot intent on giving back to the country he loved. The work of the Duke of Edinburgh will live on in so many ways. And when we come back, the Duke's distinguished record of helping young people. Welcome back to CNN's continuing coverage of the death of Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. The United Kingdom and indeed the world remembering the extraordinary life of the man who stood by the side of Queen Elizabeth for more than 70 years. The prince passing away just two months shy of his 100th birthday. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson praising the Prince for, quote, his steadfast support for Her Majesty the Queen. The Prince also leaving behind a distinguished record of public service. Joining us now, John May, the Secretary General of the Duke of Edinburgh's International Award, the distinguished award given out to extraordinary young people for more than 60 years. John, thank you for joining us this morning. I think this, of anything, We'll see his energy and his enthusiasm and the empowerment of so many millions of young people carry on over the coming years. Oh, I think you're right, Julia. Um, the Duke of Edinburgh's International Award operates in more than 130 countries and territories around the world. I, I don't think that uh, His Royal Highness could possibly have imagined 65 years ago when he created this this simple educational framework that allows young people to find their, their purpose, their passion, their place in the world. I don't think he could have imagined that more than a million young people at any one time now would be participating in, in, a, in a program that bears his name. Help some of our viewers understand what it is about this program, I think, that best enshrines the personality of the Duke of Edinburgh too. We've talked about him being a, a pilot flying out of Buckingham Palace, his service to the nation, his military career. John, what do you think best encompasses who he was as a person within this programme? Well, funnily enough, I think, I think the award as, as a framework for 
what we would say non-formal education and learning mm. kind of just sums up the duke what what we ask young people to do is to commit some time to uh, serving other people to serving their communities uh, to learning a skill of some kind something that they will take forward into their adult life getting fit through sport and then learning about leadership through adventurous activity um, and if they manage to do all four of those things over a period of time uh, then they can earn their bronze their silver or their gold duke of edinburgh's award and uh, i mean when you think about those different elements each of those are, are they, they just they just chime so well with the character of the Duke of Edinburgh himself. Honour, duty, enthusiasm and a passion for life and education. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and a, a commitment from him to ensure that young people achieved their aspirations and that they aim really, really high. And that was true 65 years ago when he founded the award and it's and it's true today. There are young people from every possible background you could imagine, from uh, Nairobi uh, uh, through London, uh, through uh, through indeed in Chicago in the USA, uh, all forging their own individual routes through this this award framework, and in so doing, discovering uh, what it's like to to achieve. And, and, and I would have to say I know about it personally, because uh, when I was 18 years old, uh, I, I did my Duke of Edinburgh's Gold Award and it set me off on my career. So I have the Duke personally to thank for, uh, for, for setting me on the right path. And his legacy will live on. John, fantastic to have you on. Thank you. John May the Secretary General of the Duke of Edinburgh's International Award there. Okay, Becky Anderson picks up our special coverage in the next hour. Stay with CNN all day for the latest developments following the sad passing of Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.